I'm sure that most of you, like millions of others, were glued to the television set these past several days with Hurricane Ian and tracking all that occurred and the destruction that was left in its path. Today, the program is going to be a little bit different. This is going to be a podcast-only edition of the program because of some of the issues that occurred with the radio station in Florida. I'll give you a complete update in just a moment. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. So let me begin by answering just a few questions some listeners have inquired about over the past couple of days. Number one, they know, many of you know that we have a home in Florida and that home was not damaged. It was in an area that didn't have any major impact at all. It is on the east coast of Florida, well south, well south of Orlando, well south of Jacksonville. And and though there were power outages and, and some minor issues, overall, no issues at our home in Florida. Now, the radio station, on the other hand, WRMI, which is our primary shortwave outlet, well, they took a substantial hit. Now, they may be back on the air Friday night or over the weekend. And what I decided to do, there was a program I had produced. If you listen as a podcast, you would have heard it on Thursday. Well, with WRMI and others being off the air, we, we decided to just use that program uh, for Friday or, or when they got back on the air this weekend. And, and so we're making a little bit of a change, something we've never done before, doing a podcast-only version of Truth to Ponder. And it gives me kind of a unique opportunity to share some thoughts with you and and things that are going on in the background that may not be as conducive to the audience on radio, but maybe to you that listen online, this could be some good information and a great help. We've been doing this program now for over two years. It started on shortwave, and I pray that it continues on shortwave. I still don't know the extent of the damage at the time I'm putting this program together at WRMI. I know that there are some antenna systems that are going to be severely impacted and may not ever come back online. From what I know at this point, the frequencies and antenna systems that are used for this particular radio program did not sustain any major damage that I'm aware of. And the transmitting equipment is fine and and power eventually will be restored. I think it already is back on at that site. And, And so they're beginning to assess the damage and I know I'll be in a conference call in the very near future on some of the things that'll need to be done there. Broadcast engineers are getting increasingly hard to find and we're getting older. And, and I'm trying to be somewhat retired from that because I feel that God has called me to, to proclaim more of the good news of the gospel at this point in my life. And I'm also 68, so I'm not the young guy that used to climb around this large equipment to fix things. I don't climb towers, and I'm not that great in a muddy field trying to put up telephone poles so I have to face a few realities now I do have family on the west coast of Florida and and to watch the devastation in that part of the world 
has been heartbreaking. My relationship with Southwest Florida goes back literally 30 years ago when I was working for Toccoa Falls College and developing their radio ministries. An opportunity presented itself in the early 1990s to acquire a radio station, a radio station in Fort Myers, Florida. So with that, I had to make frequent trips from my home in Georgia down to Southwest Florida to Fort Myers. And over the years that that followed, I made many trips to Fort Myers. I used to stay often at a hotel in what is called North Fort Myers because, well, for the college, the price was right and all the needed amenities if I'm staying a week or so were there. It was only a 10-minute or so drive to the studios and maybe a 15-minute drive to the tower site, which was just on the south side of Fort Myers. So I got to know places like uh, Cape Coral. I got to know places like Shell Point. I got to know all those communities all the way inland to Immokalee and, and got to know the communities quite well. LaBelle is another community inland that we actually built a second radio facility. And so my heart knows that region. My late wife and I used to really enjoy any time we could go down and spend a little bit of time together in Florida. And and it was my exposure to that west coast of Florida that that inspired me years later when I was now in the ordained ministry when I received the possibility of a call, I had three churches to choose from. And one of them was a, was a really dying mission in, in the Sarasota area. Not that far north of Fort Myers. And, and after a lot of prayerful consideration, we took that small mission. I had to work uh, a second job just to make ends meet. And God was just gracious in, in providing that job working for a radio group that had stations in Sarasota, in Bradenton, and even down into the Port Charlotte area of Florida. And when we moved there, we really got to know that entire region. Still went down to Fort Myers quite a bit because I was still doing some part-time work with the college and checking on their radio station for many years. And I really love the area. And I never thought I would leave there. I have a daughter and a granddaughter that still live in that region. Now, they're up in the Venice and Northport area. They're still without power as I record this program. They had some damage, but it's damage they can deal with. My daughter, thankfully, they have a generator and they're well prepared. She learned from from me, you take nothing for granted. And, And so... My entire family down there is self-sustained, and and they'll be fine. But I think of those from Port Charlotte South, heading through Charlotte County into Lee County and down to Collier County into Naples, and I look at the, the devastation. Now, I understand, and I need to say this, I understand that the media is going to show you the worst possible angle and the worst possible disaster they can bring you, because... As we know in the news business, and it doesn't matter if it's CNN or Fox, it doesn't. 
If it bleeds, it leads. If it's bad news, it's going to be pushed to the top. I learned that early on in my broadcast career, and for a time when I was in the news, it was like you want the most sensational headline to catch people's attention so they don't tune out. Today, it's the most sensational videos of boats tipped on their side, roofs ripped off houses, roads on causeways gone. I can remember after Hurricane Charlie 18 years ago, going to the area of devastation, and there was a lot of devastation. There was a lot of damage. Sure, Charlie was a smaller hurricane, not in terms of power, but in terms of size. But even where it took a direct hit, you'd be surprised on what buildings were still standing and what damage was not done. But then you just go a block away and you'll see homes with with damaged roofs or even a missing roof, depending on how it was constructed. And so until I can talk to people that I know in that area, and I'm not going to bother them anytime soon to get an update. You know, all we can do right now is pray. And if you want to help them, all you can do is give to a, let's just put it this way, a reliable charity. And there are some excellent ones that are doing some wonderful work in that region. Just so you know. My wife and I, being Florida residents, and we've watched how Governor Ron DeSantis has prepared for this hurricane and how all the resources were staged before it hit. And in all my years of being around Florida, I've never seen such a rapid response for a disaster, especially one of this size. And so, like I say, pray for those in emergency management. Pray for the first responders. There's going to be a lot of sad news coming out of Fort Myers and all the way up to Port Charlotte and down through Naples and even inland with the flooding. Which brings me to the next thing I want to talk about just for a few minutes. And like I say, this is going to be an abbreviated version of the program today, and I've got some other updates that I really, truly need to share with you. Some good news, too, by the way. And you'll hear it before the audience on radio hears it next week. Listening to... The complete morons, and that's the nicest and sweetest word I can come up with for the folks at MSNBC and CNN, all trying to glue climate change to this hurricane. If you'd only voted Democrat, if we only had more climate change bills, we wouldn't have had this hurricane. We can fix a hurricane with your tax money. And, and even when Don Lemon, Lamont, whatever, I, I, I don't know what he calls himself. All I know is he's a complete moron. He is a reprobate, and he is clueless on anything factual. He lives in a fantasy world. And he even tried to get the, the head of NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, to, to blame climate change and climate deniers on this hurricane, and they were going to have none of it. And I shared something, I believe, uh, the other day. You may have heard when I, I, I shared uh, Joe Bastardi, who's with Weatherbell. He's been around the weather business for ages. 
And of course, the New York Times and the CNNs and the MSNBCs and all of that, all the garbage media, they call him a climate denier, a whack job, a weirdo. He's out in some other left field. He's not mainstream. Yet his weather predictions are the most accurate of anybody's over the last several years that I've been able to follow. And his common sense is why they hate him. They hate his guts because he is truthful, honest, and you cannot impugn what he is saying except if you just throw an homonym attacks on the guy, call him a climate denier, call him this, call him that, call him whatever. The problem is he's telling the truth. And he points out an inconvenient fact that I, I mentioned the other day. A matter of fact, let me go play this audio cut. It just lasts uh, not, not even a minute. And, and it puts to rest some of the thinking about, is climate change causing bigger and better hurricanes? Do we need to tax ourselves more and, and drive electric cars to stop hurricanes? This is pretty much, this is pretty much what Joe Bastardi had to say and everything he said is factually correct. Well, first of all, this will be the sixth hurricane, major hurricane, in 57 years to hit the Florida coast south of a Tampa to Cape Canaveral line. So from both uh, both uh, basins, the Gulf and the Atlantic, this is only the sixth in the last 57 years. The previous 50 years, 16 major hurricanes hit. Now, I don't care if you're left, right, or what kind of math you believe in, 16 in 50 years is far more frequent than six in the last 57 years. Take New England, for instance, one every 6.7 years from 1938 to 1991, a landfalling hurricane. Nothing since then. They simply make up stories and they know that the general public is not a weather geek like me and has loved this stuff since he was three. So they get away with it. And that is the key. They get away with it. And why do they get away with it? Because they don't put on the other side. If anybody dares challenge the narrative, if you watch the exchange with Don Lemon or Lamont, whatever it is at CNN, or anybody at MSNBC, Joyless Reed or Joyless Behar at, you know, at, the, at the spew or the view, whatever they call it. They're all trying to scream climate change, climate denier, blah, blah, blah. And everything they're telling you has no basis in truth, fact, or historical data. None of it. None of it. When I first moved to Florida... Back in 1998, on the West Coast. I can remember meeting an older gentleman that lived on my street. He was retired. He had worked for the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. And he had worked in, of all places, Miami at the Hurricane Center. And he had retired. He loved Florida because he hated the cold. He was originally, I think, from something like Ohio or Indiana. I can't remember. And he didn't want to live in the cold weather anymore. And so when he retired, he decided to move from Miami to Venice, Florida. And he had a reason for moving to Venice, Florida versus other places. He'd even considered, you know, the Tampa Bay area, probably like in Pinellas County, which would be really St. Petersburg. That was the other area that he had been looking at. But he, he just liked the more laid-back community 
of Venice, Florida that he had moved to. And he was probably in his 70s when I met him. And he shared with me his reason for going there. He said, while the intensity of a hurricane on this coast would be devastating, the number and frequency is going to potentially be lower. And then he explained where he believed hurricanes in the Gulf would generally land. And he said, south of Venice, Florida, probably below Port Charlotte and closer to, you know, like between Fort Myers and Port Charlotte. That would be the area. And and he, he thought about going up to Pinellas County because he said, in spite of the fact that everybody talks about Tampa getting hit with a hurricane, he said, I just don't see it happening. It At that point, it had been about a good 80 years since, since Tampa had seen a hurricane. Oh, tropical storms come by all the time. They don't think anything of it down there. People still go out to the store and they still go shopping. Most schools and stuff stay open with a minor tropical storm. It's a minor inconvenience because they're equipped for it. And as I look back now, he said, you know, everybody's always going to focus on Tampa Bay. It's a big population center. And the devastation from this storm, there's no doubt in my mind, it's going to be massive. And there will be places, obviously, that will never be rebuilt, that were built, in many cases, back in the 60s and 70s. It's been a long time. And and there's one other inconvenient fact that the media is missing. I can remember when I first moved to Florida, you know, back in 1998. That's 24 years ago. And I can remember the neighborhood in which I lived. And I can remember the, the areas around it that had like nobody living there. I can remember older neighborhoods not far from the Gulf that are now gone because they've been converted to more expensive housing. A lot more people are living in Sarasota County. A lot more people are living in Charlotte County. A lot more people have moved to Lee County and Collier County and even some of the just interior counties from the shore. It's a popular destination. And so the population has grown immensely. The number of buildings that are built on the shoreline it wasn't that many years ago that there was some there was an area it's called Minnesota Key and it's near Venice, Florida. I know the area. And if you were to go back 30 40 years ago, it was just will it was just nothing on those little keys. Nobody lived there. They were not that big. They were little barrier islands. Now they're full of 20 and 30 million dollar homes. So if a hurricane hits there, there's going to be mega millions of dollars in damage where if that hurricane had hit 40 years ago, there was nothing to hit except a deserted barrier island. And this is true in all over the west coast of Florida. It's true in much of the east coast of Florida. The population of Florida has grown substantially over the recent decades. Let me give you an example of what I mean. 50 years ago, in 1972, okay, 50 years ago, in 1972, the population 
of Florida hadn't even hit 7 million. It's like 6.9 million. Some people say it was just a little over, but they're saying, yeah, you're looking at 6 million people. Today, it's almost 23 million people. It's like three and a half times, four, almost four times the number of people living in the state of Florida. And most that retire and move to Florida, they want to be near the beach. The neighborhood where I purchased a home back in 1998, it was an older home, was built about the time that I graduated high school in 1972. And it was the beginning of a small neighborhood. When you look back over some of the newspaper clippings that I ran across of that time, it was one of the first parts of a neighborhood being built. That it took literally until from 72 to 1978 to get it done. And so the first, you know, couple of hundred homes became several thousand homes in a matter of years. When I first moved there, there was areas right around my neighborhood that had nothing out there but literally cattle. Literally cattle. They're now very large homes and estates with fountains and clubhouses and condominiums. The area has grown immensely. So when you try to say at MSNBC or on you know The View, when I listen to these women and men or whatever, it doesn't matter what one of these bankrupt networks they're on, these hurricanes are causing more damage and they're bigger and better than ever. No, they are not. As you heard Joe Bastardi say, we had more hurricanes over 60 years ago in a 50-year period than we do now. And we never will know, you know, in 1900, how did we know all the storms, or even 1920, that were lurking in the Atlantic? We didn't have satellites. We didn't have all these hurricane hunters. We didn't have any of the technology we are dependent upon today to even know. And over history, we have seen where Florida has been completely decimated multiple times by hurricanes. It was 30 years ago, in 1992, that the Miami area was hit by Hurricane Andrew. And at the time, in 1992, the population of Florida had only reached about 12 million, not 23, heading toward 24 million, about half what it is now. About half. And it took another literally 20 years to even get, you know, a little higher to 18 million. And and these last years, uh, it's grown immensely as people decided to leave overtaxed states like New York, uh, Minnesota, Michigan, Illinois, New Jersey, you name it. People are flocking from all over to come to Florida And there's no telling what we're really at now from all of those that abandoned their prior states during the pandemic. We'll figure it all out in the not-too-distant future. So to say, look at all the devastation, it's all because of climate change. No, it's because a lot of people are living in Florida. 
there are more people in the pathway of a storm. Twice as many as 30 years ago, literally, and almost four times as many as you would have found 50 years ago. More major storms hit parts of Florida we never even knew about because they didn't make the news. There was nobody there to, to report on the destruction. Entire armadas of boats have disappeared over the centuries. Hurricanes are a natural fact of life, just like the, you remember the ozone hole? Everybody, we were told that there's a hole in the ozone and it's because of your deodorant spray. You remember that? It's because of your your air conditioner. It's destroying the ozone. And the the hole's going to get bigger and all of our atmosphere is going to get sucked out and we're all going to die. Do you remember that foolishness? And you remember it as fast as they made a lot of noise about it, it quietly disappeared. Remember, the entire world didn't go to Puron from Freon. You think they waste their money in China on things like that? Of course not. Only in America do we believe all of these mischievous lies. It's just what we do best. They figured out one day, and that's when it, the, it got, it, the narrative just vanished one day. Somebody pointed out, he said, the ozone hole gets bigger and smaller over time and has nothing to do with mankind has nothing to do with your Freon, has nothing to do with your deodorant spray, has nothing to do with any of it. It's almost like the pressure valve on a pressure cooker. When certain bad things gather at a certain point, they are expelled like waste into the, into the darkness of space. And once it was realized it was a naturally occurring phenomena that had been doing that long before, you know, we were an issue with our SUVs and our barbecue grills and our deodorant sprays, it kind of vanished because they couldn't sustain that particular lie. But they've had plenty of time over the last 20, 30, and 40 years to indoctrinate children, which are now college students, which are now working to believe the lie. And they are so convinced of the lie, they no longer can even see the truth. And that's one of the reasons that I do this radio program today, just a podcast only, for you. To, by the way, I'm going to give you some good news here. You know, some, I've, been, I've been talking about my health issue returning but as rapidly as it came on over a week and a half's time, it has rapidly disappeared again. And, and ironically, I'm going to be, I, I've got some guests coming on next week that I think you're going to enjoy. One, one guy, you know, it's medical, yeah. But I'm going to tell you something. This was an eye-opening experience, and you're going to hear more of him. It's nice to have a Christian doctor and his wife that are running a clinic and they're not part of the big pharmaceutical corporations trying to make big money and have you know long-term clients. 
they are a wellness center, not not a management center. And there's a huge difference in the medical field between management and making people healthy. And and that's one program coming up in the not too distant future. And well, Bob, I'm not really into health stuff. I want to hear more about you know the new world order. We'll we'll talk about that stuff. But I think if you want to be around to be of any value to the kingdom of God, take better care of yourself. This guy's going to be a great help. And some of the advice he's been giving me, I think I'm going to take to heart as well. And, you know, extend the time that I have that God grants me to do his work. I feel better today than I have in over a year. And I really believe whatever this health issue I have is going to be very, we'll be surprised to find out how easy it is to maintain and how easy it is to make adjustments in the way you live to avoid such problems. You know, God has just given me such peace about all of this. I don't worry about it. I just don't. I worry more about having better content on this radio program. I worry more about some of the opportunities that I don't want to see slip away in a period of time that we're about to enter. And I've said this over and over again, and I can't emphasize this enough. I really believe, and I'm not trying to say I'm a prophet on this, but I just expect this. We're going to get a window, a gift from God to all of those that have been praying diligently, where many people that have been on the fence, the truth is going to be revealed on many, many, many issues. Now, some will choose to believe the lie, and they've already been predisposed. They're predisposed to be delusional and believe the lie no matter how much truth stares them in the face. They can't see it. They'll be blinded. Many of you can see the truth, and you have friends that just don't, they're not sure. They, they, yeah, you might be right, but what, what if they're right? They're on the fence. And I think on a number of issues, the truth is going to be revealed and it's not going to be pretty. And for a window of time, people of faith are going to have an incredible opportunity to share, to share the good news. And you're going to see a revival that the likes this nation has ever seen. Now, is that going to make everybody a Christian in this country? Absolutely not. Christianity is still going to be a true Christianity is still going to be in the minority one thing I can tell you I know a lot of you that listen to this program are, are have all your hopes tied up in the next two election cycles here in the United States you're putting your faith in the wrong thing Of course you're going to vote. Of course you're going to do the best you can in voting for the good of this nation. But don't put your trust in princes or the sons of men. When I vote in November, you know, like 30-some-odd days from now, it'll be my 50th year of voting. I started in 1972. 50 years. 
and I've always tried to do the right thing. I mean, I'm, I'm studying the ballot right now of all the candidates, including what judges to retain in the state of Florida. And looking at some of them and who appointed them, I don't want them retained. Or some of the people in the local elections in our community of Port St. Lucie, Florida. I'm looking at all the candidates that are there and all the issues. I don't just run into the voting booth or grab a ballot and try to figure it out on the fly. I'm taking the time to look over every issue carefully. And when it comes to the school board, no, I'm not giving you any more money. You get enough money as it is, and you do a dismal, pathetic, and poor job in St. Lucie County. I know two high school graduates that would have never gotten past the fifth grade, let alone graduate high school. Of course, they brag about their graduation rates. Oh, we're up there like 98%. No, you're pushing them through with social promotions. They're dumber than rocks. They have no common sense. They have no history. They have nothing. But they got that little, they got that certificate. I graduated. Now let me go on to a college and I can become even more stupid and go deeply in debt. And allow myself to be brainwashed. We're gonna a lot of truth is about to come out. And just, just trust me on this. I'm also working on a couple of online offerings that'll be ready in the not too distant future maybe a total of three and i'm working on in the background i got some websites to to build i'm working with clergy and helping to develop some churches here in virginia maybe another one in florida georgia those are places even the carolinas and well of all places even even michigan a lot of things are happening and I, I thank God that his, his hand of blessing is on me for my health. And I have a feeling that I'll be doing this for a while longer. There may be some changes because of what happened at WRMI. I don't know all the extent. We'll know more about it as we get through the weekend and into Monday. And there's a good chance that yesterday's program will air on WRMI on Friday night or Saturday. And we'll just find out and be ready Monday one way or the other. But pray for them, pray for this ministry, and pray for all those that are trying to help those devastated in in the state of Florida. Seeing what happened to that radio station is something that I've always been concerned about because it is in Florida. And it is subject, and there's some age on the place, and it's just not a practical thing to be able to do some of the maintenance you'd like to. It's just not cost-effective. You do the best you can. I know a lot of people would disagree, but unless you understand the dynamics and and how hard it is, and, and it's just, it is what it is. But it's still a valuable resource. And they may have to rethink what they maintain and how they keep it going. And how it impacts this program, I can't tell you yet. But there's some opportunity out there, still with shortwave, domestic radio as well. I'm, I'm praying about it. And I also see, while, that, while we have time, while the window is still open, you know, I don't want to rely on Amazon web servers or any of that kind of stuff. I've got to find ways to put programs like this and other like-minded programs 
together at a place that's not controlled by the Googles and and the Yahoos and the Facebooks and the Twitters. I got to be away from them and the Amazons. I've got to be away from those people where you, you may not be able to find us on a search engine, but you'll be able to find us. Is that making any sense to you? We need to build a community. And yeah, when the internet's down, it'll be down. But while we can, let's do it. Let's build it. It doesn't take as much as you think. A little time, a little effort. And yeah, a little bit of funding doesn't hurt either. There is some equipment that is needed to make it happen. And it can be scaled as you go along. Start at this level, then scale it to the next and the next. Build redundancy in other places. And this is something that's been on my heart and my mind for quite a long time, as many of you know. Now I'm just going to come out and say it. Do you believe in this ministry? Shortwave airtime is still available, even if we lose some of it at WRMI. We may have to go elsewhere for part of our, our schedule. But it may cost a little bit more than I'm paying where I'm at. We don't know yet. So I need to explore and I need to be able to react as quick as I can to sustain the program. If you believe in our ministry, would you consider, maybe you've never supported us before, would you consider making a check payable to Ancient Word Radio? Ancient Word Radio. And mail that check to our new mailing address, which is Post Office Box 510. Post Office Box 510. And we are in extreme southwest Virginia, a little town called Chilhowie. C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E. Chilhowie, Virginia. And the zip code in Chilhowie, Virginia is 24319. I'll do. I'll just give that address one more time. On a podcast, you can back this up and play it again, but real fast. P.O. Box 510, Chilhowie, Virginia, zip code 24319, and make the check payable to Ancient Word Radio. Now, God willing, we'll be back on Monday with a full episode, both as a podcast and we pray back on the radio as well. Until then, like I say, this is an abbreviated version today. And until then, may God richly bless you. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.